What's up, podcast? You are listening to episode number 98 of the Ride With Me podcast with your host, Mafuz Chowdhury. And I have something special for you today. Whether you're a new listener or a ride or die from day one, this is something that you could really get tons of value from. And it's something that I've never done in the Ride With Me podcast history But as we are two episodes away from the Grand 100, it only seems fitting that I give you the Ride With Me podcast's greatest hits. And this is going to be interesting because for the new listeners, just by listening to this one episode, you're going to leave having a complete grasp of what this show is really about, what my core messages are, and what are those stories that I've really been trying to bring home. For my long-term listeners, you're going to get the summary. You know, with three episodes a week, every single week, since January, it can be a little overwhelming, so allow me to summarize the core fundamental messages around personal development and marketing that you can really take to the bank. Listeners, enough from me. I'm going to just dive right in and give you many minutes of epicness, and I hope that we followed through with the last two episodes in this 100 series. Listeners, I'm so excited for episode number 100. I wish I could tell you more, but it needs to be a surprise. But let me just tell you, you are in for a treat. It's also something I've never done before. And I cannot wait to share this with you on October 1st, which is the Monday coming up. Have a fantastic week. And I look forward to another episode on Friday. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Ride With Me podcast. I'm your host, Mafuz Chaudhry, and I'm super excited to present this brand new project to you for the new year. 2018, let's make it happen. Now, before I even get started, I just want to get a couple things out of the way here. The cars that you may be hearing running in the background, the traffic, the sound of the heater that's running in my car because, you know, negative 22 degrees, a man's got to stay warm. These are just the little things that you're going to hear in the background episode after episode because I truly want to focus on providing you value in its rawest form. And what that means is that instead of investing all my time and money trying to put together a big studio and putting a lot of energy in perfecting the sound quality, I want to instead invest all my time and energy in providing you with great content. If through the power of voice, I am not providing you value in this podcast, then there is no longer need for me to provide a podcast to you. The objective of the podcast is for me to focus on sharing some great ideas with people in the marketing industry, the people that are in the personal development industry, and just millennials that have day-to-day challenges that are craving for a way to get out of it that hopefully I can share some ideas with you. If this interests you, I encourage you to grab a seat, buckle up, because we're in for a ride. Welcome to the Ride With Me podcast. My story gets shared quite often and it's something that I think is also often relatable for a lot of people, especially immigrants coming into the new country. You know, we came in um, in the year 1996, I think, and my dad and mom left Saudi Arabia 
to come here to live in Canada with four of their kids. That's me and my three brothers. We had very little money. We were living in a very tiny two-bedroom apartment with six of us trying to make it work. But one of the things that was always substantial to us was the burning laser focus that we had in order to get stuff done. We were so motivated because we know what we sacrificed. We knew that we had to step it up and get things done. I notice this with a lot of immigrants that I meet. They usually come up to me and they say, you know, it was so hard back in my country. It was so, it was such a difficult time. I finally have an opportunity to make a difference and there's nothing in the world that's going to stop me. When you have that focus, how in the world can you be defeated? Who out there that's living comfortable, that hasn't felt that struggle, that hasn't felt the challenges of maybe they won't even be able to make it past this age, how do you manage to even come close to beating them? That is a burning desire. To me, my burning desire is no secret. I do it for my parents. I love them very much. They've given me the opportunity to do something with myself and make a new life and truly allowed me to do the great things that I've done in the many, many years that I've been living here. It's such an amazing opportunity. And I, I know that aside from moving away from the money and saying it's easy to quit because I don't want that much money, I know how difficult it is to quit when I have to go back to my parents and say I'm giving up on you. And that's just not going to happen. I've been in many situations where I have spoken at events and my biggest rule of thumb is no matter how long it takes, I need to stick around after I speak to actually give these um, the, the members in the audience an opportunity to line up and ask me questions because it's always the case where they have a burning desire or a burning question that they want to ask that they're afraid to do it in a public setting. So I make it a bit more of a private atmosphere. And I remember my very first one, Nikki. When I first started Project Reinvention, I spoke at an event. Um, it was two students that were about to go to college that just finished high school. And when I finished delivering my presentation, the very first person that ever lined up to talk to me had tears running down her face and she was crying wow. and she said something that forever stayed with me and really made me realize I was on the right path here. She said, I wish I met you three years ago because this is something I really would have needed to hear. And it made me realize yeah. at that moment that there is a lot of people like me that are sitting in the audience, although they're silent, they're definitely yeah. hoping for these kind of messages and this assistance to help them along the way. Wow. And how does that feel? You know, like your your um, contribution to transformation. How has it transformed you? Um, I mean, it's a very emotional journey. I mean, I've gone through so many different phases, be it education, financial. Um, you know, my dad had a heart attack, and it was a very difficult time for me. I went through a breakup of a very long relationship um, with a girl that I was engaged with. So there's a lot of different phases in my life that um, broke me down into a million pieces. But it was very interesting for me to figure out how to put myself together and actually become more motivated than ever. And my biggest thing that I've always talked about over the last seven years has always come down to the conversation of your burning desire, right? Like knowing why you're getting up in the morning, why you're motivated to do all the things that you want to do. And to me, it has always come down to my parents. Uh, you know, I've come to Canada from um, – we migrated over from Saudi Arabia. And I remember when I was like five years old – uh, there was a war happening right across of our outside our building, and my dad would come over and he would put a gas mask around me, and he would put a plastic sheet over our head, and we would mm -hmm. hide underneath it while the alarm was going off, just in case there was some, uh, you know, debris or something breaks out. And then the next morning we would wake up and 
beside us, the building next door is knocked over. Like it was a scary thing thinking we may not make it out of the next day. So the fact that they were able to escape all that and bring us here and give me the opportunity to reinvent myself and start over, that has been my burning passion. And it's always been thinking about how can I let them down when they've done all that for me. So that has been mine. And I spend a lot of time trying to help others figure out theirs so they could reinvent themselves if they need to. As you go into the weekend, I want to use this Friday episode as an opportunity to put a single thought in the back of your mind, something for you to think about over the course of the weekend. And I want to lead in with a question. When are you going to stop waiting for a sunnier day? When are you going to finally start that one thing that you're passionate about? Listeners, I've been hearing a lot of different excuses from a lot of different people about how they don't have time how they don't have money, how they don't have energy. And sometimes I have to admit, I'm a little impressed by how creative these excuses are. But at the end of the day, all that they are, are just excuses. I promise you that no one is going to help you take that first step until you decide to take the first step for yourself. So listeners, as you go into this weekend, as you start thinking about that thing that you're passionate about, as you're about to start off Monday morning, I implore you, to take that first step, shoot down what people like to think are credible excuses, and take that first step and be surprised by how many amazing things start happening as you start taking baby steps towards your goal. You don't need to get to your goal overnight because it's rarely possible, but you're going to get much closer to it and it's going to get more exciting as you start working your way towards it. Some of the things that I've been doing is actually inviting people that send me direct messages to actually come and meet or I would go out of my way to meet them. You know, when you had a book launch, I saw that as an opportunity for us to finally meet. So I always just look for those opportunities. But, you know, I probably have met, you know, gosh, I I couldn't even give you a number. I want to say very close to 100 new people that I first connected with online over the last year. And a lot of it has been about me going out there and connecting with them over coffee or a conversation. And, you know, being an introvert, being someone who is more importantly a shy introvert, I find it very tough at the very beginning to go out and meet them for coffee. In fact, I would get anxiety as I was parking in front of a Starbucks about to go in, knowing that they're in the inside waiting. And that's so mm-hmm. happening today. It's just, it's just something that's yeah. with you because you get scarred by a lot of past experiences. But meeting 100 people and giving you those statistics, coming back and reporting and sharing my field report with everyone, I can tell you that it's actually beyond impressive with how polite and kind people are. They're so generous. There's so much kindness around the world that actually gets me more pumped to meet another 100 people the next year and so forth just because there's just so many people that are out there looking for everyone to win. Right. And this is something that I like where it's not about the secret to happiness. And as you like to put it, the key to happiness is not to beat other people and not to be better and happier than other people, but to be your happiest self, like truly discover, as you said, self-love and be it and find the key to happiness through that process, as opposed to putting other people down. When you start getting out there, as much as you'll get anxiety, as much as you have a pretense and concern about how the conversation may go, you often find yourself becoming very excited and beyond happy that you went out there because you got to meet another incredible person. It's something that's very close to my heart, very dear to me, and it's something that I like to speak about a lot. And it actually surprises a lot of people when I tell them I'm introverted, but they don't see a lot of the behind the scene things that I try to talk about and articulate. But the people that can relate 
will truly understand that crazy chatterbox in your head that tries to talk you out of everything, right? Every single thing in your life, whether you're about to make a big move, whether you're about to go up and speak in front of a room, whether you're about to just do something that you're not comfortable with doing, or, you know, simply even asking that attractive person out that's across from you in this bar, it's always a very tough situation. And that anxiety, that random anxiety that's accelerated at 110% that hits you makes it very difficult to do any of the above. And it's a scary thing. I get the chatterbox in my head all the time. I speak about it in many events that I go to. I wrote many chapters about the chatterbox in my book. So there's no secret that it's something that I like to consider a good friend but the worst enemy. And the only reason it's a good friend is because I can accept the fact that the only reason the chatterbox activates itself is to try to protect you with its own uneducated self. And what that means is that sometimes it doesn't know the full story. Sometimes it doesn't know that you're about to go up in front of a room, deliver amazing information, and people there are excited to see you. All it knows is you're about to do something that makes you very uncomfortable, and as a result, it starts making you panic. It speaks to you about maybe you should bail and not end up doing this presentation. Maybe you should excuse yourself or pretend like you're sick. It's going to give you all these reasons because all it knows is that you get nervous in front of a room and it's a scary thing. In a similar fashion, when you're about to ask that person out, when you're about to approach someone that you just met and you saw them and you feel like you needed to say something, you know that if this conversation goes well, that there could be a very healthy relationship with that individual. But the anxiety in you, that chatterbox will tell you, don't you dare do it. If you get rejected, You're going to feel like the worst person ever. And if your friends are with you, they're going to make fun of you. And it's just not going to be a great experience. So don't do it. So it doesn't know the whole story, but it tries to talk you out of it. Introverts, if you're listening, you know, throw up your hands, even though I can't see it, but I can feel it. You know, we got that synergy. Just throw it up there because I know you can relate to these stories. I go through them every single day, whether it's business meetings or networking events or speaking at events or just people that come up to me. And it's always a terrifying thing at first. But over time, as you start putting yourself out there more and getting more and more uncomfortable, you start to get better at managing it. Just managing it. I wish I could be the guy that comes up and tells you that you could eliminate it and you could never feel that again, but you just got to get better at managing it. When people see me in front of the room and after they ask me, how do you stay confident? How do you get over the fear of public speaking? I tell them, when you figure it out, you let me know because I still feel it every single day. And when I get up in front of the room, as much as it may seem like I'm confident, I'm spending a lot of the time inside of my head trying to manage those feelings and trying to bury the mind that that chatterbox in your mind that's trying to talk you out of it. I have a huge thrill in proving that mindset wrong. Whenever the chatterbox comes out and tries to tell you it's not going to work, don't do it, I look forward to proving it wrong and I know that there's a big thrill that you get at the end of it when you do prove it wrong and you come out. This is where you you and I can really relate then. Um, I think that you and I are maybe a couple of introverts that are playing a super extroverted game, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're part of a community that has a lot of people that has the energy to get across. Yeah. A little secret that I don't quite often share with people is when I come in, my rule of thumb is to drop, whether, whether it's a terrible joke or not, but drop one joke in the very first 30 seconds of the talk. 
And I don't as much do it in order to come out as a funny guy. I do it to put myself at ease mm-hmm. because I am super uncomfortable. I'm very nervous. I'm shaking just before I go on. No matter how long I've been doing it, no matter how confident I see seem on stage, I'm actually freaking out in the inside just before ah, I go up on stage. And, and that happened on the book launch event as well. So I go up. I drop a quick 30-second joke. People either laugh or they don't. But what's important is I made a fool of myself with that joke. Like I, I relaxed myself and I mentally prepped myself to be able to be um, as relaxed as I can to start delivering the rest of the presentation. So humor is not as much used to uh, make the audience laugh for and sure. make yourself seem like a funny guy right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It's actually used in a strategic way sometimes for introverts like us to really position ourselves in a way where we're more comfortable to do the rest of the presentation. I feel yeah. like I want to go lie on my couch and have like a therapy session right now because you're, you're, you're speaking the truth. I simply want to challenge you. Challenge you for the next 24 hours. Okay? So look at your clock. Look at what the time is. Take note of the time. Remember the time. And what I want you to do from the time it is right now to the next 24 hours is I want you to own you. Own you. And this means that be you to the fullest with no expectations of what other people will think about it. No expectations. Live your own life and own it. So this means that if you're the dorkiest person in the world, dork out. Just go all out. Be goofy. Be funny. Laugh at your own jokes. Do whatever you do and own that role. Don't worry about what other people think. If you are overly chatty and you've been watching a lot of movies of these silent main characters and you feel like you need to be silent, don't do that. Own your overly talkative person and really become that to the fullest. Become that to the point where you're just comfortable and you're being you at all times and you're never worrying about what other people think and that should never impact you from trying to be someone you're not. And the reason I really want to push this for only 24 hours is I am so confident that you're going to see massive benefits of just really consciously paying attention to how much happier you are as a result of owning yourself. You're not trying to be someone new. You're not worrying about what other people think. You're simply focusing on letting the autopilot personality do its part. And then 24 hours from now, again, look at that clock. 24 hours from now, you look back and you think about how much happier you were that you didn't have to worry or stress about what other people think. How much happier are you that you didn't have to invest the energy to try to be someone you're not and you just really owned your role and you were happy about the fact that it makes you unique and you're really that unique individual that no one else can rock. You rocked your personality and that's what I'm excited about. But more than anything else, more than any other value that I can get to you, please listen to the one thing that I've been saying since episode number one. If there's anything I can get across to you, and if your mind has been drifting while listening to this episode, and there's one message I want to get across to you, is the same thing that I've been saying since the Will You Ride With Me episode number one episode, which is worry about value, not about perfection.
don't let the background sound and the fact that you don't have a professional studio stop you from recording a podcast if that's what you're into. Don't let any of these minor excuses stop you from getting to the real vision, which is taking actions towards your end goal, which is the definition of success. Listeners, there's a lot of cool things that you could do out there with the limited resources that you have. There is no reason why you should completely stop taking action and be at a complete halt simply because you feel like you're not ready yet. There's a lot of amazing things you can do. Right, there's so much noise out there. There's so many people that are trying to do the same thing that you are that it's become more difficult than ever for any individual to try to get their message out there and have it resonate with an audience. And for people to care about what you're doing, it really comes down to knowing and trusting you, which is why every single one of you in this room should start putting time and effort into your personal brand. Does that make sense? When you start understanding what branding really is, it makes sense why just do it makes, resonates the Nike logo in your head. Why you think of Steve Jobs, you automatically want to buy a Mac computer. Why Coca-Cola and Santa Claus are associated. You start understanding a lot of these branding messages simply because the guys spend time investing their dollars and their time into who they are, not what they do. Okay, take that in. Who they are. And that's what I want to get across. But now the good news I have for you today is this is actually good news. This means that by doing the right things that no one else is doing, by establishing yourself today without spending tons and tons of money trying to get yourself out there with billboards and bus stop ads, you really can build your personal branding using your mobile device, which I'm assuming every single one of you here have. So it gives you a great opportunity for you guys to get your feet wet and really get out there. When you start understanding that concept, it makes sense for why someone like myself in the marketing world decided to write a book. It makes sense for why I decided to hit record and start recording my first podcast. As much as it's been fun, uh, you know, getting a lot of publications, being known as an author instead of a marketer, being invited to go out and speak to events. I got stopped the other day at a mall with someone who randomly recognized me and took a selfie with me, which was pretty fun. That never happens. But the main reason I launched a book and a podcast came down to the fact that this was just another medium for me to get my story out. That's all it was to me. It was just another way for me to get my brand across to people. And what's been more exciting than these crazy sales that's been happening is the fact that I've been invited to speak at more events. People are paying me to come out to events to share my brand even further. So I'm not trying to win the book game, guys. I'm trying to win the brand game. But I wanted to share a very quick message with you, something that's been circulating in my head something that I want to take out of my head and put into this microphone because I truly think it will be valuable for you. And this message is that if you have this device, the technology to listen to this podcast episode right now at this very moment, there is no reason why you can't use these tools to position yourself as a thought leader that shares tips, expertise, and excitement around their passion. So let's use this as an example. Let's say that you are a young individual that is simply extremely passionate about playing Super Smash Brothers on your video game console. That's all you want to do and that's all you know. You don't exactly know what you want to do for a living. You don't know how you want to make money in the future. All you know is that you love playing Super Smash Brothers. But let's say you're so passionate about the video game that you decide today that you want to position yourself as someone that shares this excitement with other people simply because you want Super Smash Brothers to become more popular, you want to have more local people playing it. So what you decided to do is create an Instagram account that's surrounding 
the topic of Super Smash Brothers. It's sharing your favorite character, your favorite players in the community. It is sharing clips of you doing some pretty epic stuff. And it's just showing different photos about the day-to-day life of whether you're playing video games, whether you do something cool, whether you're attending a tournament, whether you're taking selfie with other players, whether you're going to a meetup, whatever it is. You're spending all that time posting on Instagram, creating a community and connecting with other individuals that are also passionate about Super Smash Brothers. You also decide to take a step further and you open up a YouTube account and now you start sharing videos. You start sharing daily vlogs of you attending these events. You sitting around with your buddies and having some Super Smash Brother battles where you're trash talking each other or something funny happens that you're just dying to share. Whether you're just sharing tips about your different practicing strategies of how you became so great at this game. And then finally, you decide to start your own website. Nothing crazy, just a blogging website where you're sharing articles every single day about how to get better or different things that you spectated while you were at a tournament or something that someone shared with you, a story from someone that you know, and you're just posting out articles on a daily basis surrounding the topic of Super Smash Brothers. All that goes well, you're spending a lot of time on it every single day posting because that's really what you're passionate about and you just want to share the good word. And over time, you start building a lot of followers. Over time, a lot of people start subscribing to your blog and your YouTube channel. Over time, you start building a community of people who knows you as a Super Smash Brother player, who knows that you're great at it and that you're really engaging with the community and you start, without realizing it, you start positioning yourself as a thought leader in the industry. How much easier is it going to be for you to get a job today as a result of all the work that you put in over the years building that community? Maybe Super Smash Brothers wants a brand advocate and as a result of that, they reach out to you to be their ambassador to continue sharing the good stuff and they pay you to... uh, pay you for it as a result of it. Maybe they need someone to manage their social media accounts and they offer you a job as they have witnessed that you've done all these things and you're extremely passionate about it. Maybe you don't even want to be an employee. You want to wear the entrepreneurship hat and you utilize your website as a strategy to start selling merchandise about Super Smash Brothers. It could be a t-shirt with their brand name on it. It could be a video game controller that you designed. It could be anything that you want that's around the topic of Super Smash Brothers because you spend all this time building a community. It is easy for you to deploy the message that there is a new store on your website and that they could make purchases directly from your site. It is that much easier. I would rather hire you then hire Jane Doe who today decided that she wanted to start a career selling Super Smash Brothers stuff or today she started a store, she has no community, no followers, no one knows she exists, no one knows she plays the game but today she decides she wants to sell merchandise, she has a 0% chance of winning me over as a customer versus you who spent all the time doing that. And the main thing I want to get across is that every single time you share valuable content in any of these tools, be it Instagram, YouTube, website, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is that you use, every time you put out content that's around your passion, it is an opportunity to take that game winner. Now, I'll be honest, I'm having a bit of a difficult time laying my finger down on how I can help someone be more creative. 
Sometimes I think it's genetics. Sometimes I think you either have it or you don't. You were either born with it or you weren't. Or sometimes on other days, I feel like if it's put into constant practice, if it's being utilized like a religion of constantly being creative, or if it's something that you're actively learning, whether it's picking up books on creativity, attending classes, or discussing and communicating with other people that are very creative, I think there's a lot of potential to pick those talents up. But by staying on your toes, it is absolutely crucial to be able to be as creative as you can in anything that you do, especially with how loud and saturated and busy the market is becoming. I like to think of creativity in a few different ways, but the best way for me to explain it is to go way back in time to when I was in grade seven in my science class. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a science class with our teacher, Mr. Hamilton. And one day in the middle of our year, we walked into the classroom, which was a science lab classroom that had a very long science lab table at the front of the room where the teacher would often use to demonstrate experiments or lay out some handouts that the students would go and pick up. And it was just something that he would use quite often, but never have I expected him to use it the way he did that one day. We all walked in. And it was first thing in the morning. We're still half asleep trying to figure out what the plan is for the day. And Mr. Hamilton walks up to the front of the room and says, I want you all to line up right beside this lab desk. We're all confused, but we do as we're told. And as we're lining up, he puts a chair on both sides of the lab table. And he slowly, very carefully helps us one at a time get on top of the lab table by climbing the chairs and then spending a few seconds looking around the classroom, confused but slightly amused, and then slowly going back down on the other side and then sitting down in our desk. We had no idea what he was trying to get across or why we were doing this. Uh, we thought, you know, Mr. Hamilton being a funny, strange guy is just his thing. But So we played along. And when I finally got up there, it was kind of neat to look around the room and see it from a perspective as if I was 10 feet tall, just kind of looking around, getting a feel of what it looks like to be seeing things from this perspective, which was a lot of fun. And then I climbed back down and I took my seat. And then Mr. Hamilton started explaining himself. He said, every single day since you've been in the school, you've been coming into this class and looking at everything from the same perspective from your own eyes and it's allowed you to get comfortable with the way that you see things and not see things from other perspective. What you did today for the first time allowed you to see this classroom in a whole new perspective that you would have never seen if you didn't try something different. And that moment stuck with me forever. Clearly it stuck with me forever. I mean, this was in grade seven, but it stuck with me in perspective is one of the best ways to be creative is to try new things and find a different perspective. And I think it's something that is definitely easier said than done. But as you start opening your mind to this concept, you're going to constantly look for opportunities and you're always going to be eager looking for ways to do things differently. And I think that's a great perspective. I love Mr. Hamilton as a teacher for teaching me. One of the few things that stuck with me since grade seven, not a lot sticks with you from that age, but if it has, someone's done a really good job making that one stick. I've always believed that 
Human beings are so underrated where we could go through any type of pain if we know there's an end to that pain. Right. Right. If there is some kind of things that going through our life, whether we're getting stressed or we're getting burnt along the way, there is an end to it. As long as that's in the back of your mind, as you knew with the Tough Mudder that was going to come to an end, it made a difference and it kept you going. And that's the ultimate motivation that makes people realize that they could actually do so much more when they have that finish line in mind. To me, um, the toughest one that I did, and I absolutely hate running. I love working out, but I hate running. Like I literally came back from the gym, which is why I went to the gym strategically before our interview because we're right next door. Um, So I made sure I worked out for it for the exact same reasons. It gets my blood flowing. I make sure that I everything's in synergy. Like if I didn't work out today, I would probably have the kinks from Friday night still inside of my system, and I'm still (laughs) trying to fight it out of my system. But the toughest thing that I did was doing the CN Tower step climb. And this was to raise money for WWF. And I remember signing up, not because I felt like I wanted to achieve fitness. It was simply because me and my friends, um, that when I was at Sheridan College, decided to rep with Sheridan College shirts and do this climb together as a fun activity. And as a result of knowing that it was just a fun activity, which, by the way, it was not fun, <laughs> right? But it, because of that, I didn't actually train for it. I was simply like, cool, let me know when, and I'll keep that day open. And then the day of the climb... I remember, oh gosh, I couldn't give you the numbers for the CN Tower, although I should know this, but I remember getting up about 10 minutes in. The, the climb surprisingly took me 21 minutes, which I thought it would take me significantly longer. But 10 minutes in, my legs gave up. And there were people that were walking slowly in front of you, so you couldn't actually pass them. So you need to slow down at their level as opposed to surpassing them. And I came to a point where I was using my arms to hold the bar on the side and pull myself out. Now it's an arm workout. It's not a leg thing anymore. But the best feeling, Raph, was when I got to the top floor and you hear the applause. Like, you're still two flights underneath the finish line and you hear the applause of everyone cheering. And you know you can get there. But just knowing that there was that one station at the very end, um, it's such a motivator. I think it's very underrated. And you must get that all the time with a lot of I want to leave one major thought in the back of your mind, something that I hope will absolutely change your perception of what an opportunity is really about. And the statement that I want to get across to you that I believe with every fiber in my body is the fact that your long-term wins will often be disguised as short-term setbacks. It will be a sheep in wolf's clothing. It's something that doesn't look shiny on the outside doesn't look great in the first impression and as a result you stray away from it and don't take advantage of the opportunity when the reality is if you looked at it from a different perspective and you dived in a little further and actually dissected this opportunity and worked towards it with a little bit of patience this could ultimately be that monumental stepping stone that will help get you closer to your career goals or your life goals or this definition of success that you have in the back of your mind. And I look back at a lot of different things that I've been able to do that worked out in my favor. I speak a lot about it in previous episodes. One, about the fact that I don't really control good timing. I just plan around it and it happens to work in my favor. Another one around the idea of the fact that I plan out my week where I have things lined up throughout the entire week so that I can prepare for it but also get excited for the week and get pumped whenever it's Monday morning. And part of planning out what these things are throughout the week involves me not having a big ego and shooting down the little things. There's a lot of little opportunities that will come your way. And if you think you're too cool or too good to 
entertain it and look into it, you will miss out on a lot of different opportunities that will either prevent you from getting to your goal faster or leave a lot of money on the table that you could have taken advantage of if you just had the patience to You know, I want to finish this on time and I want to just leave you with one final thought more than anything else. I want you to just take a moment to think about and imagine a world where kindness was our currency, right? Kindness was our only currency where everything came down to the religion of I'm only going to give and not have any expectations. Imagine if every human being in the world had that mindset. I'm only going to give with zero expectations. How much of a better world would that be? How much more generosity would be spread around the world? And then stop imagining. Let's all do our small part and collectively make a difference and actually make that a reality. I think we all deserve it. Thank you for your time.